I'm gonna do a brand new one. Brand new. I wrote this. I got out of the hospital. I got sick a couple months back and house sitting for my buddy Dennis. And this was like the first or second day where I was house sitting. I went to a movie with my good pal Connor, Connor Adams from West of the Fourth. There's a little plug for those guys. You should check their music out if you can. Um, <laughs> yeah, Connor's Connor's a real mensch. <laughs> we uh, we kind of we get along real good because we both can't shut up and we both don't stop writing songs. He actually kind of got me back into it. Um, we went to go see this movie, <laughs> uh, a Clint Eastwood movie, uh, the, the latest one he put out. And uh, Clint says something to the effect of, uh, I used to be a lot of things, kid. And I kind of look over at Connor, and he looks over at me, and I'm thinking, I just look. Like, well, if you don't write that song, I will. So I went home the next day after watching that movie and wrote this. And, uh, yeah, so the, the, the new album's pretty Western-themed, and most of my songs are these days. And I don't think that's going to change. It, my songwriting's been an evolution of just... Uh, and not really an evolution, it's just been all going back to the roots of it and who I am and where I, what I'm about. So here's one. I used to be a lot of things But I ain't too much no more And this old house is on a tilt And I'm about through settling scores And I walk out past that old corral where I used to ride that mare That bucked me off a dozen times Before you had our first that year And I can hear the laughter of our kids Running past the stalls And I can't bring myself To take your picture off the wall Cause it's a thousand words unspoken It's a thousand souvenirs It's a thousand days since you've been gone One hundred thousand tears Oops I never read the final chapter For fear it ended bad You can only spend so many tears Living in the past So I backed up to that trailer And I dropped the gooseneck down I checked the cable for the light And I headed into town Stopped at your sister's restaurant Grabbed a cup to go Sat in the auction parking lot Till the hazy sunset glow Cause it's a thousand words unspoken It's a thousand souvenirs 
It's a thousand days since you've been gone One hundred thousand tears I never read the final chapter But fear it ended bad You can only spend so many years Living in the past So I sat down in the kitchen I couldn't bring myself to cry You can only spend so many tears Asking yourself why There you go We're on with another episode of the Unreal Country Podcast um, My guest today is my buddy Richard Inman Richard, how are you doing tonight? Oh, you know, <laughs> not as bad as I look and not as good as I feel, you know? <laughs> Hell yeah. Give me your, give me your uh, elevator pitch or your little short about you for anyone who might have never heard of you before. I'm a songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. I'm a songwriter. Yeah, fuck yeah. <clears throat> All right, well, I know you got a lot you want to go over. Yeah, well, it's it's been a long, interesting pandemic time, and I hate talking about it, so we won't go too much into that, except we'll just address the elephant in the room. Shitty times all around. and uh, <laughs> But for me, it wasn't too bad. I got through it. I was working for, for most of it, and, and I... I adjusted well to not playing shows i was getting ready to take a break from it anyway but uh yeah it's nice to play a few shows again and and kind of get back out there so that's good you're um playing a show tonight actually yeah right before uh, we record this right after yeah right after <laughs> <laughs> yeah doing the old uh the owl acoustic lounge in lethbridge alberta how long have you been in Lethbridge? I have, I lived in Lethbridge for like two months when I moved back to Alberta. So that was like June, July, August. So like three months I lived in Lethbridge and then I've been hanging out in Raymond, Raymond, like Warner County area. Just, you know, you know what I'm, I know, you know what I'm all I know, about. <laughs> I know what you're all about. Yeah. And well, for, for the people that don't know what I'm about. I've been writing a lot of songs. <laughs> I've been writing a whole lot of songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something else. You uh, got a new album recorded, ready to put out in January, I believe. Could you talk a little bit about that or a lot about that? or? Whatever? Yeah. Yeah. We Well, I had a bunch of songs. I still got a bunch of songs and I got more coming. But yeah, it was time to record some new music and uh, went out to Manitoba and me and my Guitar player Kevin Peters recorded it at his house <clears throat> due to, um, there, we had a studio booked and a band booked, but everything kind of got turned upside down and cases started rising. So we, uh, the, the studio backed out, but they were super, super nice and kind enough to borrow us a bunch of gear, like, like a lot of really nice gear. So me and me and my guitar player decided to move the sessions to his house and then the band dropped out. 
And just out of sheer determination, that was the day before we started recording. The band dropped out. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, you know what? We're doing this anyway. And Kevin, very, very skeptical at first. And I mean, you know how I can be when I get an idea in my head and I'm like, this has to be done. Yep. Um, I was sober the whole time, which was really different, but we got it done and we got it done in four days. My brain was so fried. I played a, a house concert after on the fifth day and I couldn't remember the words to any songs because all I was doing was like running these other parts in my head, these other lyrics. And, uh, yeah. So I, re I really apologize to those people. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> You wouldn't even believe what I just did. <laughs> and so we, it, and it sounds way better than it should. We had a really hard time. We'd never recorded drums before and we had a very limited setup. So, and I played drums on every song except for one. And uh, I haven't played drums since I was a teenager. I used to drum in a metal band, a Christian metal band. Yeah. A Christian metal band. Oh yeah. I had the double pedal and everything. Yeah. No way. When was that? <clears throat> oh, I'm 30 now. Yeah, 15 years ago. You remember the band name? Uh, we had several different ones, but I think the last one was Oh Victory. All right. Yeah. No shit. And yeah, we well, we listened to like a lot of like As I Lay Dying and uh, there was a August Burns Red, like Christian metal, right? Yeah. And uh, and Under Oath was a, and Norma Jean, all these like metal core, hardcore Christian things, and we we were super bad. I think we had a good idea of like, and I had always had a good idea of songwriting even then. So I did a lot of like the arrangements and stuff. Yeah. But I, <laughs> the, yeah, uh, we just, it wasn't, yeah, wasn't meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> Which in hindsight's great. When did you first put out music? When did you uh, start writing your own stuff and start wanting to put things out as Richard Inman? Oh, I was about 14, and I got a guitar. I bought an electric guitar. It looked like a, like a knockoff SG. It was a Swedish brand Hagstrom. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if they're around. And uh, my dad had, was a songwriter, and he had guitars. And so I finally bought my own, and then I tried to start writing songs when I was 14, and they were awful. Just awful. And then I was in the band, and then we were writing songs as, as a band, and then um, the band broke up, and I was like 16 or something, and I wanted to keep playing shows, because I really, that was it, go out, play shows, and, you know, go to McDonald's after. <laughs> <laughs> that was my, uh, was my teenage rebellion, was going out and playing Christian music, and... Uh, I wanted to keep playing, and so I, I, I just started opening for punk shows and hardcore shows in Winnipeg, just me and a guitar, and I think it was 2008 or 2009, my brother, my oldest, well, my oldest biological brother, there, there's me and two biological brothers got adopted, and so then we got five other siblings, but my oldest biological brother snuck me into the Winnipeg Folk Festival in... I, it was either 2008 or 2009, and I saw <clears throat> Iron and Wine. And uh, it was just him and a guitar and, like, 13,000 people. Yeah. And everybody was into it. And I'm like, damn, I could do that. 
I'd like to do that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I messed up my knees and everything playing football. And I remember my leg was just really sore and sitting on the ground, but watching him and just being like, this is awesome. And if you listen to those records that came out then, like that he did, they're super laid back, like super, super chill. And I think he even mentioned at one point, he's like, wow, you guys must be really stoned. You're all just sitting in a field listening to really, <laughs> really chill music right now. And then he was playing one of my favorite songs and everybody was hanging on every word. And uh, the camera was following this beach ball in the crowd that was getting hit around. And it followed the beach ball for like 10 minutes, not 10 minutes, but like 10 seconds maybe on the, the big screen beside the stage. And he stopped in the middle of the song and was like, holy shit, I just got up stage by a fucking beach ball. And just everybody <laughs> laughed. Like, and it was so good. But I was like, man, I could do that. I want to do that. And then so I, I kept playing shows and it evolved. And, and eventually I found my way back to what I grew up with, which was country music. My dad listened to a lot of George Jones and uh, the gospel stuff, of course. I mean, you can't deny George Jones because even though he was such a colossal fuck up, <laughs> he, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, it's his voice. It's his voice. And uh, I don't know. I was listening to that Chris Shiflet podcast and uh, I think he was the one, I forget who was on the show, but they were talking about George Jones and it, I thought it was so funny because he's like, man, you read about like, Waylon Jennings and Johnny Cash and everybody and Willie Nelson, they all have these moments of revelation where they change to become a better man and they learn their lesson. Yeah. And then you read the George Jones book and it's just like, mm -mm, it was his fault. It was their fault. It was like, it's like, I, I have a disease. <laughs> like, and he's, he's the only one that didn't learn a thing from it. And also the only one who seemingly was rewarded <laughs> And kept getting rewarded for his shitty behavior because he, like, everybody's careers in the 80s were going downhill. Johnny Cash got dropped from his label. Merle Haggard got dropped from the same label a couple years later. And then <laughs> George Jones gets a number one hit in the middle of all that. Wins, like, male vocalist of the year. Wins, you know, wins all these awards. And I don't, and he's just, and he's in the, like, worst shape of his life, you know? <laughs> That's that's that speaks testament to his voice and to what he did. Yeah, absolutely. When I was in Nashville this summer, I think I might have told you this, but I was at George Jones's grave at like four AM and it was just pouring <laughs> rain. When we were pulling out of the graveyard, the cemetery I guess, a fucking possum walked across that little single lane cemetery road right as we were pulling out of George Jones's grave and it was fucking wild. Yeah. Real wild. That's crazy. Not what you expect to see at 4 a.m., but... Yeah, I don't trust Nashville. There's like a there's a guy that goes there at 4 a.m. every day with a possum in a cage and does that when he sees George Jones fans leaving. <laughs> I guarantee you. <laughs> He's sitting there with a stick in a little cage. All right, buddy, go out there. Make, someone de make someone's year. Yeah, go to work. Fuck. <laughs> you brought up... Uh... Seeing Iron and Wine at the Winnipeg Folk Fest. You've, you've played the Winnipeg Folk Fest yeah, you know, since, yeah. since, haven't you? I have. <clears throat> 2017 was the first time I got to play on the main stage. I did a tweener right before Bruce Coburn, and that was really cool. I was supposed to play 2020 when everything went to shit, but that, that didn't happen. 
and uh, we'll see. Maybe I'll, maybe they'll send me an offer this year. I don't know. I, a lot of the festivals that had sent me offers retracted them all last year after 2021 got canceled. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully. You going to get the full band show going back in January or February? If I can. I'd like to do a full band show again. I, I They're so much fun. Yeah, I, your, your full band show at the Owl there, what was it? Not even last month, the month before October, I think. Yeah, October 15th. That was month. a hell of a show. You played mostly covers. A lot of stuff that people might not think of when they think of your music. You're just rocking the fucking place out. Like, yeah, I was with having the pedal a lot steel of fun. and the Telecaster just going. Yeah, I was having a lot of fun that night because I don't get to do that very often anymore. I, I Like when I was in Winnipeg, I'd have a... I was never in Winnipeg, but when I lived around Winnipeg and gigged in town, I'd have a band and <clears throat> called the Mad Trappers, and we did a country set. And we did that for years. And uh, I like that when people don't... Ex when they get something they don't expect out of me. You know, like this new album is, is very much on that same... It's a very Western-themed album. Yeah. It's, it's full band. Uh, me playing drums. And uh, I like, you know, because I'm not just the one, the one thing that they want from me now, which is for me to be miserable is how I feel sometimes. And I, and I'm not, that's just the sense I get going out there. Um, there's a, there's a label called Bind Rune. They're like a black metal label. They're putting out two of my albums out on vinyl. Yeah. Which reminds me, I have to email some stuff this week so that we can get the ball rolling. It'll probably be like a year before they're out, but it'll be the self-titled album and uh, Austin La Vista, which, yeah, I mean, that's cool. But they, they didn't want to touch the other stuff, including the new album. Really? Or the last album. And, hmm. and nothing again, like I'm not speaking ill of them. It's just they, they, they didn't, and I, that's fine. That's their business. Yeah. Um, but that's what their audience wanted. They wanted acoustic. Where did you say they were based out of? Or uh, Minnesota. You? Minnesota. All right. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Talk a bit about your waiting on the river. The single just came out last week. Mm -hmm. Um, lead single off the new record that came out on Bandcamp probably about a week before it released, uh, all the other streaming stuff. Yeah. Tell me a bit about that, why you chose that one as the lead single. You said that one's the least country. You told the Bandcamp folks that that's the, the least country one. Yeah, uh, I kind of wanted them to get a sense of what they were in for. And, and it really, you know, focused on the, the fiddle and the Telecaster in that, in, in that song. And it's also, I feel like that hook is pretty, it's pretty marketable. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really like that song. I wrote it. I wrote it for, and I showed a couple buddies. I showed my buddy Jackson Haldane, and he he's like, man, that's a hit. I love that song. And I knew I, I wanted to, when I did eventually record the album, because this is the, I think this is the third attempt to record this album. I was going to record it with a buddy at the beginning of summer, and we had all the uh, bed tracks down, I guess, like the acoustic bed tracks to a click. And then he was like, just because of the way things are working out with the pandemic, he's like, you know what, man? There's too much uncertainty right now. I can't do it. So he backed out. I'm like, all right. That's all right. And then 
The second time was going to be at the studio. And then the third time I just said, fuck it, let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm doing it now. And that's, I think that's why I went in sober. I think I went in a little mad too. And I got, I got it done and it, it, and I couldn't have done it without Kevin. And it was just me and him grinding. I mean, we're still grinding away kind of cause we're, we're doing our like own mixes before we send it off to get mixed and mastered just so that streamline the process a bit. But, oh, <laughs> like it was some, it was some serious, serious shit when we did that. And I'm, I'm proud of it and I can't wait for everybody to hear it because I'm like, this is, this is what I want to do. This is what I've wanted to do for a long time. And so that's, that's waiting on the river, man. It's like, it's, I'm super proud of it and people, you know, and it's just, it's a love song and it's, it's a love song that doesn't really go down the tubes. Like a lot of, I try to write love songs a lot of the time and they'll just, they, reality cuts in. It's like real life kicks in and then. All of a sudden, at the end of the song, it's like, he's dead or she's dead or gone or whatever. Somebody's gone. <laughs> and like, and yeah, and you're at the bottom of a bottle again. And it's like, that's not, that's not what I always, I don't want to do that. This, so this song is a little different that way where the guy's in love with this woman and he's taking a chance. He's taking a chance on it. Uh, could be a last chance and he's taking it because it's, you know, the thing about waiting on the river is like, I, you play Hold'em, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just. Sometimes it doesn't matter if you're bluffing or not. If you're waiting, waiting for that last card, that could be the difference between you walking out of there with a bunch of money in your pocket or not. With you know, and like, <laughs> uh, hopefully none of the guys that I play poker with listen to this because then they're gonna know I'm just full of shit now. <laughs> but I, I did that a lot, and I started to see like rewards coming from it. Like, oh, take a chance, hold out a little longer, just wait. And uh, somebody dropped the soap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got I, the I, wonderful background noise of yeah, a shower going. I feel like, I mean, I do feel like I am in an institution of some kind. We, we are in a college dorm right now. Yeah, yeah. And just to paint a picture, there's like nothing on the walls. <laughs> uh, it's not very lived in this place, no. <laughs> I've never been in a college dorm, so this is, it's not like the movies. This one's reasonably good. It's like a little townhouse instead of being a fucking square little concrete box that yeah. has a bunk bed. And Actually, it's a lie. I've been in one of those where it was super like concrete like, yeah. Yeah, in Sudbury. I played a festival called the Northern Lights Boreal Festival up there. And it's, a, it's one of their bigger folk festivals. And yeah. Lisa LeBlanc played. She's cool. We, we partied and... Uh, Goldstein, Matt Goldstein, I think his name is. He's a pedal steel guy. He used to play with Zach, and he actually played with City and Color for a while. He was cool. Um, we we partied too. That was a fun. Oh yeah, dorm. I slept in a dorm, and then the cleaning <laughs> people came and they stole all of my booze and all of my clothes. I'm like, who's who's gonna wear a four X button up? I'm like, you. I mean, I was so mad. I was like, it's my only good shirt too. And it was hanging up in the little closet area. And I came back at nighttime and like two bottles of wine, a 12 pack of Coors and like um, my clothes just gone. And then I went and I told the guy and he was, he was all drunk and, and he was like, oh man, he's like, all right, I'll look into it. And he's like, nope, nobody knows anything. And I'm like, come on. I'm like, who, I, I don't care about the booze, but that's the only shirt I got. <laughs> like it's got to last me another three weeks. I'm on tour here. Yeah. 
Uh, I got I got some nice shirts now though. Ever since I moved to this area, I always go to Progress clothing. Yeah, yeah Progress is good. Uh, Derek put me onto Progress. Yeah, it's great. Fucking, you brought up your only good shirt, and that made me think of Adam Carroll. Oh yeah, yeah. So fuck, let's talk about some songwriters. Talk oh. about Adam Carroll or something. Yeah, well, I'm I'm very influenced by Adam Carroll. Um, and I have been for years, and it's uh. I think it's a good thing to to surround yourself with good music and and but I've also learned to not be overly influenced. You don't want to just rewrite some of these songs, and, but I think I get a healthy dose of that every now and then. Um, <laughs> yeah, just to wrap up that other thing, I think about the single. It's it's a love song essentially, and and it goes, <laughs> yeah, a lot of play on words, and and it it. it it's kind of choose your own adventure story, that one, because it's not over and you don't know where it's going and it, it could go really good. And, and I think it will for the character in that song. But anyway, back to Adam Carroll, speaking of characters. Um, that, that dude, oh man, that blew my mind the first time I heard Adam Carroll. I was actually just talking to my buddy. His name is Derry Richards. And he, uh, I was just on the phone with him when I pulled into the parking lot and he turned me on to Adam Carroll, and he'd been trying to do it for years. He's just, oh, you need to listen to Adam Carroll, and it's like, okay. And he's been a good pal. I met him at Brandon Folk Festival years ago in Manitoba, and he gave me a ride home, and we just started hanging out. And I tried to get him to be my road manager, and he wouldn't have it. He was just like, no. Nah. He's like, I like listening to music, and he's like, I don't really like to travel that much. He's like, I'll go to a festival, but he's like, I, I'm, I'm like a homebody, and I'm like, all right, fine. But I, you know, he's, I've, I've tricked him into it a couple of times where like, I would go on like a two, three show run and, and he's like, he just happens to drive cause he wants to go with. And I'm like, ah, it's my road manager. And he just looks, he's just <laughs> like, oh man, he got me. <laughs> what kind of, what kind of songs you plan on playing tonight? You playing mostly your own shit or are you going to cover some stuff or uh, what? Tonight I'm going to do a lot of my own stuff. I'm going to try to sell some CDs tonight. I nice. mean, I, and it's just good. I, I like doing a good acoustic show where I can just showcase my songs. And so it'll be a lot. I'll go through the whole catalog. I'll play, probably play some old stuff, real old stuff today. Are you the only one on the line tonight or on the set tonight? Yeah, that's it. Sweet. Just get to listen to Richard all night. Yeah, there's going to be nobody else up there. You can come up and play a song if you want. I don't know about that. You did the other night. Everyone the other night was telling me how good I did, and I barely fucking remember walking off stage. I was pretty fucking drunk. Oh, man. You know, you were, you were, hitting, you were hitting just about like 98% of the licks you were going for. I couldn't hear myself either. And the one I should have told Steve to good. turn myself up in my monitor because I was just listening to myself acoustically while yeah. hearing you pump through the monitor at me, and oh, I was yeah. fucking yeah. could not hear myself. But also <laughs> drunk. Also yeah. drunk, that'll happen. We've kind of been, we've kind of been hitting the bottle pretty hard here, I guess. Yeah, here and there. Yeah, and uh, not bad. It's not too bad. You got to do what you got to do occasionally. <laughs> Sometimes you got to sit around Raymond, Alberta, and oh, pick yeah. songs and yeah, drink whiskey it's been and wine. Good. I've been house sitting for my buddy Dennis Becker. He's this, he's this character. Yeah, he's a crazy dude, and. Uh, Got a cool fucking house. Oh yeah, he does. That place rocks. And I've been I've been staying there and write. It's good for writing songs. It's good for, you know, it's not. 
it's not conducive to sobriety, I'll tell you that much. But <laughs> at least I, you know, at least it's got running water. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Fuck, last time I was out there, I was out there with Chris. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Chris Drew. I passed out before you guys, and you cracked into that fucking wine, you wild man. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah. After polishing off the 15-pack I brought. I, I he, <laughs> Yeah. I owe him at least two, three bottles of wine already. Well, that'll happen. But, yeah, he's coming. He'll be back soon. And I guess I'll pay my tab. <laughs> pay my tab and leave. You're oh. fucking off tomorrow, aren't you? Yeah, well, You're... I'm going up to uh, I'm going up to Pinoca to see a good buddy, uh, frequent collaborator, fellow songwriter, and all around crazy, crazy dude, cowboy, Marcus Summer. And uh, well, I, I lived with Marcus. And he says we lived together for about six months. I know I was paying rent for at least nine, but six months sounds right because I'd go on tour and be gone for a while, come back. And so, yeah, it was probably about six months I was there, but my stuff was there for nine months. <laughs> it was good. It was good. <laughs> and uh, we, we wrote a bunch of songs, some of them that uh, one ended up on his album. A song called Darlene ended up on his album, his first album, and then he helped me co finish this song called, uh, he co-wrote uh, Truest Form of Love. And uh, so that ended up on mine. And, and then we had some that haven't seen the light of day yet. There's actually a co-write on the new album that's coming up. It's called Cut Fence, like God sort of mode. It's about a... It's, it's a good... That's a good song. Yeah, it's about, it's about the wildfires that happened out by Twin Butte a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited for that. Who is that a co-write with Marcus? Yeah, yeah, me and Marcus wrote that one. That was about just over a year ago we wrote it, and uh, yeah. You were also a co-write on Zach Lucky's uh, last... Yeah, his Midwestern Yeah, album. Midwestern, yeah. Yeah, he actually ended that a version of that song one of those songs ended up on mine too raining in december we each got our own version of that his approximation was like fancy gordon lightfoot chords and my brain my two chord brain couldn't figure that out so i just like alternated between capo what was it i did a capo second fret and just did c and f the whole time and it kind of worked with his what he was doing and uh but that's the version that ended up on mine was just like two chords. Um, yeah, I like I like his version a lot better than mine. Actually, and when I do play it just solo, I play play it the way he does it now. But it took me a little while to figure that <laughs> what he was doing. Out. He told me a bit about the story of that song. I, I recorded one of these with him. Never ended up putting it out. I kind of quit all this shit. When COVID was just heavy and yeah, yeah, I was sober for like four months when I started all this and yeah, COVID was just heavy and I got right back on the bottle and got right back <laughs> into this self destruction and kind of quit. But yeah, but uh, Zach was telling me all about. He said that it was kind of like four email, mm -hmm. it's back and forth. Like yeah. he, he, one of you sent a verse and the other one sent something back. Yeah, he just, sent me that lick in the first verse, and I was going through some real dark, troubling times. Yeah, I was in the middle of psych like going through psychosis like i had i had like i would go we were we around that time we were playing about 160 shows a year and not good paying shows that, like bar shows 
just to grind. We did probably about 160 that year. The year before, about 140, 150, and before, something similar in that. And the year before, that was like 120. It was just stupid. Stupid. Like, and I was not in a good place and not in a good frame of mind. And I, I was like, he sent me that first. Uh, it's raining in December. You're a long way from home. Not too sure where that is because you've been gone too long. Um, your mind takes the race and all the things that you should have done, but you can't go back because you're too far gone. And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> it's like, so I like grabbed my guitar, you know, tried to figure out what he was doing, and then quickly wrote a second verse, emailed it, and then within about 10, 15 minutes, he sent me a third verse. And then I emailed the fourth back, and I was like, wow, I think that's a song. And then there it was. <laughs> I th I'm proud of that one. We then the other one that ended up on his uh, his uh, album was uh, sometimes I wonder how I got this far. And that one's really funny because the way he tells it, we were at the Regina Folk Festival. We weren't at the Regina Folk Festival. I had just come from the Calgary Folk Festival, and Casey Anderson from Casey and Clayton she dropped me off in the middle of Regina somewhere, and I was playing a gig and. Uh, I was the guest at a country night that some buddies used to put on. And he was just happened to be there. He had a couple days off. And uh, it was crazy. <laughs> we got so drunk that night at that country night. We were drinking cheap Jameson all night. And uh, it was rough in the morning. It was rough. It was tough to get out of bed. Buddy had made us breakfast. And then I was sitting down, drinking water, and... Uh, just staring at my breakfast, a little bit too hungover to eat. And he's like, all right, all right, Dick, let's do this. So he starts strumming. I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, nope, we got to do it. We got to do it right now. I'm like, no. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then he wrote the first verse, and then he's sitting there strumming. And then I write mine, and he's like, come on, man. He's like, don't make it so sad. I'm like, you know what? I'm like, that's... That's what you're going to get. <laughs> if you're going to get me in this state, that's what you're going to get. And so my verse is a little bit hopeless sounding, but I, it's also really, I love that song too. It's a good, it's a good, I think it's a, almost a classic country song, you know? Yeah. Still ain't no closer to Houston and the snow was falling down from the sky. Oh man. <laughs> you in the mood to sing one? Yeah. Yeah. I can do that for sure. I'm going to do a song called Kings on the Corner. That's a brand new one, then. It's going to be on the new album, yeah. Yes, sir. All right. It's called Kings on the Corner. Sitting around the Scove's Guard supper table. Kings on the corner. Forty bucks a hand. Cutting up, telling jokes We're going big, going broke Drinking to the horses rope And the ladies that we lost A 
But Drew spurred him down from Texas to Nebraska Marcus roped and rode a few in his time And to tell you boys the truth I lament wasted youth And all the mornings I was waking up As the sun began to rise I guess I had my share of wrecks along the highway I've been knocked flat on my ass time or two Another shot of whiskey helps us through December Her dark eyes flicker in my mind as we deal another hand And if I walked away right now, I'd keep some money But I come to love the losing, feeling low and the feeling bad A couple hundred bucks will come and go like water And a sure thing ain't a gamble I guess that's why I love her still Drew said you lose your shirt Your truck, your boots, your buckle Playing stook out at a Brandon When the working day is done Marcus laughed and kicked his chair back from the table He said, I thank you boys for everything But I'm calling it a night Fighting dirty ain't quite cheating If you're bound to lose that fight I guess I had my share of wrecks along the highway been knocked flat on my ass time or two Another shot of whiskey helps us through December And her dark eyes, they flicker in my mind As I lose the final hand Something like that King's on the corner Tell us about it Oh, a lot of these songs are, are uh, from a first point of view, and, and this one is, it's just, it's just me sitting at the table with two friends playing cards, and uh, it's a true story. <laughs> um, Kings on the Corner is this game. It's really funny, actually, the, how the game kind of got to us. Um, Marcus went to, to uh, horseshoeing school in Oklahoma, and one of his uh, dorm mates or I don't know if it was a dorm. Well, it was a dorm. But he was a dude that got out, and he got charged. Uh, I don't know if it was second-degree murder or manslaughter or something. And uh, when you get out, you don't got a lot of choices but to learn a trade of some kind. Yeah. And horseshoeing was one of those things that the guy ended up doing. And um, They were good friends. and uh, He had learned how to play this game in prison. So him and this other guy, this other... Uh, I hope I'm telling this story right. 
they'd sit around, they'd play kings on the corner, and it was a game that he learned in prison, and he taught it to Marcus, and Marcus taught it to me. I taught it to Kevin, and I, I teach it to just about everybody because it's a real easy, fun game to gamble. It's essentially solitaire for more than one person, and uh, you just got to get rid of your hand really fast, and, and whoever gets rid of their hand first wins. And um, <laughs> We play for 20, sometimes 40 bucks a hand, and it's a lot of fun because if you get too drunk and you can't pay attention to what's happening, you're going to lose, and you're going to lose fast. And, you know, I've lost. I've lost just about everything one on, at times. And so the song is about playing cards this one night with me and Marcus and our good buddy Drew, this crazy little cowboy from Nebraska. And uh, he, yeah, we, I don't know. I think he was losing pretty bad. And, and the, it's, it's just a first point, uh, you know, just talk. I talk about, you know, losing. And, and it's easy to lose and money comes and goes and everything, you know, just, but kind of being present and not present at the same time. Cause I'm, it, you know, I mentioned talk, uh, thinking about a girl the whole time and kind of get a little distracted, but the, the song ends with a line fighting dirty, ain't quite cheating. If you're bound to lose the fight and, and where that comes from is at the end of the night, Marcus is trying to go to bed. And so the rest, me and Drew kind of wrestled him to the, like out of his doorway, out of his <laughs> <laughs> his bedroom and his lady she's in bed she just starts screaming like what the hell are you guys doing and we just like roll all three of us down the hallway and, and at one point I get hoofed backwards and I'm like okay I'm out and as I'm walking back to the kitchen and they're still rolling around on the ground I hear Marcus just yell an ungodly yell and he's like he fucking bit me <laughs> he bit my toe <laughs> And then Drew said something about it. he's like he's like ain't cheating and he said ain't cheating if you're gonna lose and I'm like oh man and I'm like this is this is the funniest thing ever and so that that's what that song's about it's about that night and uh, yeah it's it's a little bit different a little bit different of a direction uh, I like it I like I like a lot of writing a lot about Western stuff and rodeos and. Brings up the fact of like, in the song, it kind of sounds like I'm sad that I missed out on the rodeo life. And, and in a way I am, but I'll, also I didn't. I still traveled around the uncertainty like of a gig, and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's similar. It's similar. And, uh, but my body was already trashed from playing football, you know. So those guys, man, if it gets cold weather changes or it's raining or something sometimes they can't even get out of bed so yeah you know it yeah you can romanticize it all you want but there's there's that gritty ugly side to it and uh i mean i got my own taste of that in my own way anyway so <laughs> getting getting into fights and playing football so <laughs> it would have been cool one thing i i do really want to learn is roping i'd like to start riding again in the new year um but I'd like to rope. That'd be cool. I was there was a while there. I had a I had a dummy and a rope, and I was roping like every day for, like, throughout the pandemic, and I got all right at it. But I wouldn't. I know wouldn't say that I can rope. I wouldn't tell anybody that. But I'd like to learn. <laughs> Throwing a hula hands at the Holiday Inn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck. What about? Uh... 
How many how many tracks are on the new record then? Well, it's gonna be about nine, I think. Yeah, nine. Nine's usually where I'm at. Do you have a idea of when that will be coming out? Well, I'm hoping like it's all like I said, all but two tracks are sent off to mix and master. So who's who's doing all that? Uh, Scott Franchuk. Oh, up in Edmonton. Riverdale Recorders, yes sir. Oh yeah. Um, he he's great. He's and he, I've wanted to work for, with him for a long time. He's been working with. He works with Zach. He worked with Dell. He used to be Corb's touring sound guy. Yeah. Like he knows. Um, I just, you know, I don't never had the money, really, and I was working with this guy in Winnipeg for a long time, and and then I found out like he was like basically just doing the bare minimum for me. Which which is fine because he was giving me a, a good deal on the tracks, but I don't know. It was this weird thing that I realized that it was just not. It was when I first because I I had this deal with Bind Rune Workout like a, a about a year ago. I just put it on hold for a little while, but they have the tracks, so they're ready to go. They just need, you know, album liner notes and stuff like that. I think, um, and with the vinyl shortage and wax shortage and all that, it might take a bit, but yeah. What about talking about indigenous songwriters? <laughs> um, uh, crack a beer for that one. Yeah, or just like, <laughs> just how I feel about the label itself. Uh, I, I know I, you got shit to say about it. Yeah, well, whatever you want. I mean, I've said it before. I, I there's there's a cool article that came out a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic. Yeah. Where I I was real real about it. I was like, I had the whiskey on the go and this lady, and I told her straight up, I was like, the only reason I do ever did an indigenous showcase before as an indigenous artist was for the money because I was sick of being broke. And you know, I had to be talked into it. I had to be coaxed into it by my band and my uncle and a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I hate the, the like the term indigenous it's just so stupid. Like, you know, you know what? It, it says it on my, my certificate of Indian status that I, that I have, you know, it says on the sign, Blood Indian Reservation. So I'm, I'm a Blackfoot Indian from Alberta, Canada. Uh, my family's from here, like, we've been here for thousands of years and, and that's, you know, and I'm, a prou- I'm proud of it. I'm, su- I'm super proud of it. And I'm meeting my, my biological family for the first time and it's beautiful. It's great. I grew up. I grew up in a permanent ward foster home, and those people are my parents. They're my mom and dad. But it's cool to see where you come from, and and I'm and and to be reintroduced to this part of me that I was missing. And so I'm I'm proud of that. But uh, what people don't understand is uh, this this label of like indigenous because everybody's indigenous to some place. Like you know, like you know, like. Where where are your people from? You know, like Germany or something, or yeah, Germany, Austria. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you'd be indigenous to there. You know, like like my my buddy from Denmark. They'd be indigenous to Denmark. You know, or whatever. Like, so the term indigenous itself is just kind of dumb. <laughs> Everybody's indigenous to somewhere. I mean, Native American made sense. Um, Aboriginal was kind of weird. You're not allowed to say Aboriginal anymore. That's the thing with the with the lefty politics is that the, everything changes so fast and you can't keep up and you say the wrong thing and you get jumped on. I'm just not playing that game anymore. 
I'm not. I'm like, I haven't been on social media for four, over four years now. And I'm better for it, I think. I don't care what you had for dinner. You don't care what I had for dinner. Um, I don't care who you voted for. Mostly, if you like good music and you're a good person, that, you know, I want to be friends with you. That's about it, yeah. Yeah, and if you want to, you want to, if you're into good music and you're a good person, and that's another thing is, you know, that a lot of, I just want to be a better person than I've been too, you know? And it's tough. Like, I was listening to a different podcast today, and, and I, I know what I want to do. I know what I want the next couple of years to look like. Like, I moved back to Alberta because I want to get into agriculture. I don't want to be working construction anymore. Um, so I'm waiting to hear back, actually, about a feedlot job. But I know exactly where I want to go, where I want to be. I just keep getting sidetracked. And I'm always going to be a songwriter. And so that's what... when. I, <laughs> That's what I like to introduce myself as. I'm a songwriter that happens to be a Blackfoot Indian, you know. And uh, uh, so it's frustra- frustrating, kind of heartbreaking that you can't get away from that. I'm working on a talking blues song called Welcome to the Human Zoo. It's, <laughs> it's about, you know, those uh, song guitar pole deals they do at festivals? Like where they make you sit in a row. And yeah. Funny enough, Canada is like the only country in the world where they make you do that at festivals. Hey, tell me, tell us a bit about that. You've you've told me before, but you've told me about when you've been kind of put on those panels of artists. Yeah, well, there was one <laughs> one deal I did. It was really funny. Um, I actually hung out with some of those guys after, and they were really cool. But they didn't get it either. We were all. It was an indigenous workshop, <laughs> and it was like. Um, it was me. Uh, no, it was first it was a DJ at the one end. He was a really cool dude. He hung out with us all night. It was him. It was me. It was like an, uh, an indie rock band, indie <laughs> pop, indie rock band. And then, and then at the far end was like this South American rapper guy who had all these backing tracks on, like on an iPod. And... Uh, so what they want from you, especially, again, this is like only in Canada they do this, where they make you, because they're like, oh, it's so magical when artists can collaborate. And a lot of times it falls flat on its ass and it doesn't work. And I, I bet you it's happened where there's been some good good jams. I know my, my old guitar player, touring guitar player, Ryan Funk, he said he's been a part of some where they're really cool. And I, I've just never seen it. I'd love to see it, but... I don't know, Canada's got this thing where they think it's the greatest thing on earth, and then they do that, and they put you up there. And this one in particular is weird, because it was like this indie rock band trying to back me up to one of my songs. Eventually, I just had to say, no, guys, I'm sorry, you can't. And the DJ guy didn't even try. He's just sitting there. He's like, what am I going to do, <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah, so I've been working on a song about that. It's called Welcome to the Human Zoo, and it's about... A sea of white faces looking at you and people you don't have anything in common with except that you're all indigenous. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's the only fucking thing that's in common when you got yeah. so much more in common with all kinds of other people. Well, and you know, put me in a songwriter workshop then. Yep. Put me up there with songwriters, you know, like just a fucking songwriters workshop. Yeah. Not, no other label uh, in front of it. Just yeah. a songwriters workshop. I'm a songwriter, and you know what? That's actually one thing I will say about Winnipeg Folk Festival. 
is that when I went there, I, I specifically requested that they don't do that and that I just treat me like a normal songwriter artist. Yeah. And they did. And they've respected that since then. And I, I'm grateful to them for that because it's heartbreaking, man. And I, and I did one of those showcases and I was just bitter. One, because it was in Toronto and I, I hate that town. And uh, strong. Yeah. That's a strong word. Dude, man, I, 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 I hate Toronto, you know. I, I used to stay there with friends and, and like that would like I'd be on tour and I've I've been treated horribly in lots of places, but to go walk into a room and have everybody in that room leave the room because you're you know, you're a big native dude in a cowboy hat and they just don't know what to do with that kind of thing. That didn't happen at the conference right there. That was at like a house party. Yeah. But uh that kind of thing happens to me every, every, you know, Toronto. <laughs> I joke about that with the pandemic too. I'm like, yeah, well, I was used to people not shaking my hand. I was used to people crossing the other side of the street. I was used to all that stuff before the pandemic. I don't know, man. And that's basically, you know, I introduced myself as a songwriter and that's, that's all you are. That's, that's what I am. Yeah. And that's, that's how I, I like to be known as a songwriter. But what do you do? People like to put labels on things. And people might, I don't know how they're going to react to hearing all that for me, but like, don't feel sad for me or, you know, like it's, <laughs> it is what it is. And I hope, I hope it opens their eyes though. I hope people can understand that, that I'm a songwriter through and through and, and that, I, that, you know, and if you you have a festival or you want to hire me, you know, you don't got to, I'm just a dude. I'm just a songwriter and you don't gotta yeah i mean and i don't and i don't speak for all indigenous artists like i speak for none of them so shit they might even get offended if they hear it and they're like well screw that guy um so i again there's my disclaimers i don't speak for any other indi i speak for me i speak for richard inman you know and uh and, I, and, and don't get me wrong, I think what, what a lot of people do is great, but I, I just, I'm, I'm not a role model. I never was, you know. I'm, I can't be that. Just a songwriter. Well, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the music you put out in the past. Um, I think you put out your first EP in about 2015. I think that was yeah. Lake Town Blues. Yeah, yeah, we did that one. Um, we had actually worked worked on the self-titled album. We had started working on it in 2014. January 2014, we started working on it. And we shelved it for until the beginning of 2015. Um, because I was hanging out with my good pal Micah Ehrenberg, who you should check out his music, and he's still one of my dear friends. And, um, <laughs> he's like, he's a beauty. But we were in the, the height or the depths of just... He, he had the sick apartment on Kennedy Street right next to the ledge in Winnipeg. And he got it from a guy named Matt Foster. He used to play in this band called the Crooked Brothers. And I slept on that couch way more times than I can count. So I, I, we just hung out there a lot. And we recorded stuff to tape. We went to parties. And we were like, you know... We were, we were really, we were palling around a lot for those couple of years. And, and it, it was good because I had my mentor, my songwriting mentor, 
guy named Aaron Shoresman. We can talk about that next. He had just moved back to Missouri from Canada. And uh, I kind of was really lonely. I didn't have anybody to play music with. And along comes Mike Ehrenberg. <laughs> so we're living. He's living in this place, and I'm like sleeping on his couch. I would say we're living, but we were. He was paying the rent, <laughs> and it was cheap. I could have helped. <laughs> but we go busking. We go busking in front of the LC. And uh, what's the LC for people who don't fucking know what the, the LC Lethbridge is? It's the Lethbridge College, apparently. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For you Americans, the LC is a liquor commission, but it's what. Um, because of Manitoba and Ontario or like socialists or whatever they got. Thank God we're in Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> they have liquor commission boards. So like they liquor can only be sold out of certain things. It's not like you're not rolling up to the gas station, yeah. buying a six pack, a pack of, you smokes. know, which is cool. Cause Alberta and Quebec are kind of like that. You can, you can do that. Even though that the liquor stores are separate here, a lot of times they'll, they'll put them right beside a convenience store in, in yeah. Alberta, which is sweet. But um, yeah, that's also another reason I moved out here. It's just like, it's the closest thing I can do till I can finally tunnel down to Browning and live in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we, yeah, <laughs> no, don't tell them where I've started that tunnel, but it's, it's going to pop up in Browning. Um, oh fuck. We can't, we can't, uh, can't give away our plans. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be down there soon enough yeah. too. Well, Yeah. We're coming, America. <laughs> We're bringing our <laughs> ladies curling and our and our uh, and our hockey sweaters with us. <laughs> but we're coming. Actually, speaking of Canada, tonight's Canadian night at the NFR, and uh, Corb Lund singing tonight. So that's kind of neat. I hope he wears a hockey jersey. I doubt he will, but sometimes he does. Anyway, I. Uh, <laughs> um, You're gonna talk about your songwriting mentor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was finishing the story. Anyway, me and Micah, we'd go stand in front of the LC and we'd busk until we had enough to buy bacon and tomatoes and a case of beer, and we'd go make bacon tomato sandwiches. And That's good living. Yeah. And our buddy, Ryan, he was a he's this crazy dude. Uh, he was a moonshiner in Muslim countries. Which is some real moonshining. Like, you'll, you'll get your head cut off for doing that. And uh, he came back to Canada in one piece and he had this moonshine. It was marijuana moonshine. So it was like moonshine with weed in it. And he gave us like three bottles of it and we worked through that in short order. And he's like, You guys drank all that already? We're like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> He didn't give us any more. He's like, you guys can take a break now. He's like, you don't need to drink any more of that stuff. But I remember we, we could pop the window panes, or the, yeah, the window panes out of the, of the windows in this apartment. And we could just sit on the ledge, seven stories up, feet hanging out, passing back a bottle and a joint and a guitar. It was beautiful times. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> so we were in the middle of that, and that's why that the album, first album got pushed back. So we had started recording it already, and then out of panic, I did Lake Town Blues in the beginning of 2015, put it out as an EP, and you can only get that on Bandcamp, I think. And a couple of those songs ended up on the full length, and the full length came out. And the reason I put that out in such a hurry is because Micah had 
made a decision. Um, to, to really buckle down, to take a break from drinking, and to put out his first album, to get out on tour. I remember one day, it was in spring of 2015, he was doing this, and he sat me down kind of and was like, and I'll tell these stories, and he'll tell them different because he doesn't really, I don't think he realizes the impact that he had on me, like as a friend. And, and uh, so he might not even remember this, but we kind of sat down, and he's like, you know, we can be those artists you know, maybe not at the very top of the poster, but we could be in the middle of the poster yep. at those folk festivals. And he's like, we could be performing at those big festivals, which was really cool. When 2017, when they asked me to play, that's why I hired him to play guitar with me and come. And we played two acoustic guitars opening for Bruce Coburn in front of 13,000 people. And it was really cool. And I was like, you were right, dude. Here we are. Three years later. Hell yeah. And But yeah, he really it motivated me to do that. And, uh, yeah, again, like I, I shout out to Mike Ehrenberg. He was, he's a good friend and yeah, he is a good friend and, and, uh, yeah, just a genuine guy, real genuine. And, uh, yeah, so there's that. <laughs> and, uh, yep. Um, I'll do waiting on the river. He said, don't you know, throwing money out's bad luck. Now I keep my quarters, nickels in order, and a billfold in my truck. And I've been thinking lately, we ain't meant to stay here long. So I keep on calling, won't stop falling till you can't stop singing along. Now I'm digging for change. Waiting on the river, just hoping that my liver and my luck hold out. Thinking on your dark eyes, dark hair, darling. Chase away my worries and wash away my doubt. next day to the smell of coffee brewing and the sight of you half in your Sunday best we ain't been to church in ages Lord knows I can sing your praises standing in that golden meeting dress and now I'm digging for change Waiting on the river, just hoping that my liver and my luck hold out. Thinking on your dark eyes, dark hair, darling. Chase away my worries and wash away my doubt. Away my doubt. Digging for change, 
Waiting on the river, just hoping that my liver and my luck hold out. Thinking on your dark eyes, dark hair, darling. Chase away my worries and wash away my doubt. There you go.